Welcome to episode 88 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's guest is Scott McCook. Scott is an amazing photographer from Perth, Australia. His aerial imagery, if you haven't seen it, man, it is like some of the most compelling landscape photography that I've ever seen. It's so good. I tell everyone about it. I just think it's amazing. Um, Scott and I uh, talk a lot on the podcast about his aerial photography and uh, about his approach to aerial photography and like how aerial photography can open our eyes to see things about the landscape that we might be aware might not be aware of. Um, and there's even more goodness over on uh, Patreon this week. Uh, Scott gives us some super concrete tips and advice for aerial photography. Um, I personally feel super prepared for some aerial photography adventures after listening to him and i'm actually looking into doing some of that i think it'd be really really fun um i wanted to give a huge shout out to our patreon supporters and our podcast producers um these amazing people i mean i I can't tell you how awesome these people are for supporting the podcast um at the 20 dollar a month level and higher it is so cool and so amazing that people are finding value in the podcast and uh, supporting us over on Patreon. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. So thank you so much to uh, Michael Howard, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, and Jason Matias. You guys are super awesome. And um, if you guys want to support the podcast as well, you can head over to patreon.com slash fstop and listen. We'll get ready for the show. It's a really great one this week. Um, Have a happy holiday, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Well, man, uh, Scott McCook, it's so cool to have you on the podcast, dude. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely, man. I got to tell you, um, I was a big fan of yours for a long time um, because you did a lot of really, uh, I don't know how to say it, like just really different um, uh, astrophotography that you were into for a while. Yeah, I did. It seemed like like you had a lot of like really uh, like punchy colors in your Milky Way, which was like super different. Why don't I do that anymore? Um, I should do that. Yeah. Probably because of hanging out out in strange places. In the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night. That's probably that's probably why I don't do it. But yeah, no, that is that's sort of where I kicked off. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and then now you're doing these killer aerial shots that just every time you post, I'm like, that is ridiculous. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, I, I I have a fascination with um, I think things that we can't normally see. I think that's why the Milky Way stuff is what kicked it off. You know. It's sort of something that's above yeah. our heads every night, but through a camera, wow, you know, you can, except when people say, is that what it really looks like at night? It's like, well, no, it's not, but that's and like, oh, the- uh, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. But, but that's the fun bit. That's the cool merging of sort of technology and art and, and, you know, it all comes together and it was exciting. I really enjoyed doing that. I should do more of it. I've, um, I think I've become lazy. Maybe I don't want to go out in the middle of the night. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, um, I would say for, for like 
three or four years, it's like almost all I did was uh, night photography. And now it's like eh, maybe like one or two or three a year I might get out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it is. It's like and especially even, you know, you're, you're traveling somewhere you're on a shoot and you're like, I could stay up till two o'clock in the morning or mm, I'll just wait for the perfect time of year. So that's what I do now, you know, like here in WA, um, we sort of, you know, you'll get the the core set at like um, you know, 8.30 p.m., which is perfect for me. That's great. I can do my half an hour shoot and I'm back <laughs> and, and in bed on time. So, Yeah, that is nice. And, and for the... For the the dumb Americans like me, WA no. means Western Australia. Western Australia, that's it. Yeah, so I'm I'm from Perth, <laughs> Western Australia, and I live I live about forty five minutes north of Perth in a in a sort of a coastal community. It's like an an old um, holiday home suburb that sort of with the um, urban sprawl has turned into a, a normal suburb now. So I like it up here. It's just far away enough from the city, and. Um, it's about an hour away from some of the best dark sites in 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 the world, just about, um, which is yeah. which is why I probably went into you know Milky Way photography quite heavily in the beginning because you're just so close to such beautiful skies, you know. Um, yeah, and you guys got some really, I don't know, like every time I see um, you guys that lived in the southern hemisphere post your night photos i'm like oh well, that's totally different because it is totally different yeah, than what i'm used to seeing it is isn't it and we just don't have that once you get sort of north of geraldton which is about three four hours north of perth and and you start heading up the coast and places you may have heard of as um you know maybe ningaloo reef broom things like that but there's just not many towns and there's just not much light pollution it's really quite empty um so you just you just have beautiful conditions for shooting the night sky. Um, oh, that sounds amazing. Being, <laughs> being the remote cap, I think, are we the rem most remote capital city in the world or something? Maybe second, third? I don't know. Yeah. No, I believe that. Yeah. We have the internet. Yeah, I though. feel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like uh, you just got it a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's... <laughs> we had it for a few years, but. <clears throat> Yeah, it's funny. I live in a relatively remote um, town in southwest Colorado that has about, I don't know, like 16, 17,000 people. Okay. And, yeah. And then the whole the whole county has, um, has about 40,000 people. But the county I live in is like the size of Connecticut or something like that. It's very big. And now, now um, gauge me Connecticut because now you're going to see uh, my... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> What's that compared to size-wise? I mean, it's one of the bigger uh, states on the East Coast, okay. I guess you could say. Right. Um, so, like, just the county I live in is very big, but with almost no people in it. So, um, yeah, it's super interesting. So, so I mean, it I lends have tons itself to night sky photography in a way as well, then, I guess. So, you know. It, it does, and I totally squander it because I'm like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's we it is weird, isn't it? Like... Um, I think I've noticed a lot of photographers do that. Like you, that you sort of go through this really heavy period, and then um, and then it's sort of like you see the occasional one. But it, I think it's healthy and natural, though, isn't it as well? Um, yeah, I think we all change kind of what we're interested in. You know, like what interests us and what um, I don't know. Because I, I I get I guess for me, like the night sky. Anyway, it's like once you've seen a Milky Way scene, it's like 
I don't know. It's it's the foreground. It like, <laughs> it's isn't it? It's sort yeah. of like it's like you know, repeat different foreground, repeat different foreground. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, so that I don't know. It, it gets. I don't know. It's hard to make it original. I guess you know, like it's yeah. hard to make it fresh. It is. It's 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 fun, um, and it's always there's just this awesome awe and 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 every time I do it, even now, you know, and I look at the back of the camera, I still have my jaw on the yeah. floor. Um, Me too. And, but yeah, it, do, it definitely does get to, well, what different foreground am I going to throw in front of it this week? Right. And um, especially if you're keeping local, like in your local area, in my local area here, like I've done the pinnacles, eventually you go, I've got nothing else to throw in front of it. Um, so, <laughs> whereas the sunset and the clouds and things like that, look, that changes almost you know, every single time, doesn't it? You know, different color, different ways of, you know, whereas, yeah, if you've got clear skies, clear skies are clear skies. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, like I'm the last, probably the last year I'm getting more and more into like just random intimate scenes with a telephoto lens and stuff like that. It's yeah, man. Yeah. It's yeah. funny how your, how your tastes and what you shoot change over time. Well, Speaking of which I'm five years and I'm still stuck on aerials. So I don't know when I'm going to shoot. I was going to say, <laughs> Maybe so yeah, what what is it about aerials? Like I'm, I like, uh, I mean, obviously you get to see some amazing stuff, but like, what is it about that that kind of stuck for you? Uh, it, it's it's a mix, Maddie. Like, I, um, so the first one I guess is I'm very lucky to live in WA. It's an ancient, ancient flatland. Um, so you know, it's been around for so long and exposed for so long. Now all our mountains and everything are gone. It's very flat. Um, so, you know, opposed to somewhere like New Zealand where you're standing at ground level, there's just stuff to shoot everywhere. Um, when I first got up in a plane over WA, I kind of went, oh, I get it. You know, I'm still a beautiful place to shoot from the ground. Don't get me wrong. But, um, oh, from the air, dude, it's just, it's amazing. It's just amazing. And I think from the first time I got up above WA, I just realized, yeah, I'm screwed. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm, um, you know, and, and then it's just grown from there. Um, so yeah, number one, I'm just, I just happen to live in, in one of the best states in the world, uh, or countries in the world for aerial photography. Um, then the other aspect which I found has grown is I really love finding, I was going to try and find the bloody word for it before I did this podcast, but it's that there's a thing where the human mind always tries to find um, a natch like a face in a piece of toast. You know, you've seen those things. Yeah, or like in a rock face or something. Yeah, in a rock face and anything. And I love to play with that with my aerial photography. It's something I really enjoy. Um, mm. So, you know, I might see something and I'm kind of like, okay, I can kind of see if there's something in there, an animal or a face. So then I'll start going that direction with the editing. And um, and that that's really fun for me. Um, then there's the there's the human impact part of it as well, the environmental part, Matt, that I like. Like, yeah. um, there's a lot of mining in WA, um, and our economy. I mean, we live in a in a great state. I mean, the last ten years. So I'm actually I actually own a construction company um, in my spare time. So I do concrete repair and waterproofing here in in WA. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I don't know many landscape photographers who are into concrete repairs, but um, so that. <laughs> You're that's the first I've talked to. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I've had that business for 11 years and, and then in photography sort of I became, I went professional about five, six years ago and now I sort of run them side by side. But anyway, back to my point, I think I had a point, which is, yeah, our economy is really heavily based on mining. So, you know, we export a lot of iron ore. There's a lot of mining going on, which means that there's a lot of work 
back down here for people like me um, and for everyone. And so we've all profited from it. But when you get up in a plane, you can present these uh, mining areas. You don't normally get to see them from the ground. There's a fence around them. You know, it's very hard to see what's happening to the earth that's being mined. And, yeah. um, and aerial photography allows us to put that in front of people. And, you know, I'm not to say whether it's bad or good and look, some of it's not. And some of it does, you know, um, keep food on the table for families. But I, I find it really interesting as a photographer to be able to present that to people and, and allow them to make up their own minds. Um, yeah, you know, that that uh, juxtaposition of, um, you know, profiting off of the land um, and, and mining and gas and oil extraction and all that stuff like it's. It's a tough thing to uh, to to think about as especially as a landscape photographer that kind of relies yeah. on on the pristine nature of a planet uh, to in, or, in order to, um, to you know to capture our images. But at the same time, to your point, like there's a lot of people that rely on that um, to put food on the table. So it's uh, yes. Yeah, it's a tough. I don't know, especially for someone like you who who relies on both of those things. I, I feel it like is. that would be really tough to kind of manage both of those thoughts in your mind. It's yeah, and and look, my position's constantly growing and changing as I get more and more into this world of photography, and and I get to see more and more of the world and and this state and and country and. And I must admit, you know, in the last 10 years, it's dramatically changed, hmm. um, you know, seeing what humans, I mean, I've been to some remote parts and you're up in the plane and, or the heli, whatever you're on. And, and there's always a mark of man there, you know, just about no matter how remote you are, there's always a footprint, you know, it's like, it's like we've been everywhere and, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's cool. I don't mind it. You know, I like having my eyes opened, um, and um but i don't like forcing things down people's throats i guess it, you know i don't like putting an image up and saying this is what you should think mm -hmm. um i think my job is to create an image that has enough impact to make people think and and you know hopefully um you know that's in a way that's going to be good for the environment and um make some changes yeah i'd be curious um through your aerial photography where you're 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 capturing these um these scenes that, you know, I'm assuming some of the scenes that you're capturing are somewhat created by, by the, the man-made things that are happening with mining and whatnot. Like, ha have you, mm. have you had people make any comments about like, um, how those images have, Im have touched them or impacted them or made a difference um, to them or? Yeah, I, when I first started, um, I, there was a bit of an uproar on one of my on my Facebook photography page, which I don't use anymore. I just focus on Instagram now, um, since they yeah. changed it quite a while back. Um, but yeah, I put up a tailing pond image, Matt, and it caused a stir. <laughs> um, like like people sort of going, you know, you you that's filth, it's disgusting, it's killing the planet, how dare you promote that as, um, you know, sort of art or, and it was the first time, you know, I was probably in my first sort of six months a year of doing this kind of thing and I was just putting up an image that I, it did, I, did, I wasn't thinking, you know, I just went out and shot this tailing pond and went, that looks kind of cool and I put it up and then this huge um, uh, shite fight um, happened on, <laughs> on Facebook 
And, um, and what was cool about it, Matt, was at first I was like, holy cow, do I delete it? Like this is just, you know, this is too much. I'm, I'm just doing this for, you know, sort of creative purposes. And, and, but then it did. It made me think and it made me look up tailing ponds and it made me research about them and, and how different countries have different rules. And, it, and that uproar actually it made me go and educate myself and, and, then, um, and then I guess develop my view of it and from there. So, yeah, from something bad came something good i guess that's that's awesome i mean it's it's funny um i love the fact that you're open-minded to like to see that you know that could have an impact on well on the viewer um Mm. and then and then what's really cool is that it's it's through your image and then the way that people responded to your image you've kind of thought about the world differently i think we don't yes that doesn't really happen a lot in landscape photography i feel like it's, you know, whether it does and, and it's not talked about, but um, for me, it's been just one of the best gifts from it um, is, and, and look, sometimes I've been real, you know, I've just jumped into something like that, that story I was just saying, just going, hey, it's pretty. <laughs> um, right, right, right. You know? <laughs> um, and then, and then realized, oh, wait a minute, I, um, I better go and research this. And, um, and then, you know, you research it and you, and you start to really see what you're photographing. And, um, yeah, you can, it's, it's, it's good. I've really enjoyed it and I've shot a lot of mining stuff and, and, and I've gone on to, you know, getting really interested into geology and rocks and, and, and all sorts, just from this sort of two way street, um, you know, from things like that or taking images and going, what am I actually looking at? Um, so yeah, it's fun. Yeah. That is one of the cool kind of side effects of landscape photography for me as well is that, um, you know, you'll take, you'll see something and you'll be like, Oh, that's really cool, but I don't really know what that is. And then you start researching it and you're yeah. like, you become smarter <laughs> because of your it, it, pictures. It's cool, isn't it? <laughs> it is very cool. Yeah, man. I, I mean, that. like where you got, like I see a lot of stuff out of um, Nevada and stuff and you know, your rock formations and, and, and all that stuff. I just amazing. It's like, how did it get like that? And you know, how long did it take? And, yeah, it sort of sparks you off. And I, I remember the first time I did New Zealand, um, I think I did three weeks. And about a week in, I had to go and find a book on the geology because I just wanted to know, you know, why certain mountains look like that and why certain streams had these rocks in it. And it does. It, it can it can spark your interest and expand your mind. Yeah, that's which is cool. that is very cool. I, I think that's one of the best byproducts of landscape photography, at least for the for the photographer <laughs> you know and yes. I, yeah. for the viewer too i feel like you know some people might see something and be like how like what causes that or how did you like what is it that i'm looking at here and then if you're the photographer and you've done the research then you can also become an educator which is pretty cool and how cool is that exactly you know that is really cool and and you know in a way that's you know with we depend on the environment for what we do um and it's really cool to be able to educate at the same time if requested you know and, was, and i think that came back to what i was saying is you know um not not forcing views down people's throats like not hey here's a picture of a tailing pond it sucks it's killing the planet you know that's how you should think but more here's a picture of a tailing pond um you know go check it out research it. yeah tell me what you think. well i mean that, i think that's <clears throat> one of the most powerful things that art can do right is it, it can force people to see <clears throat> the world in a different way yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, I think that's what keeps me addicted to it. You know, it's just, um, plus I think it's 
sort of with aerial photography, it's like oh, someone put it this way. Can't remember who it was, but it's sort of like one of the last treasure hunts. Yeah. Like for <laughs> yeah. you know for compositions, you know, like because um, you look you you know from the ground there are a lot of places that are common places to shoot and but with aerial photography it always feels like a bit of a treasure hunt you know um because you're normally going over areas that haven't been shot before um so it's quite exciting yeah so i'm super curious like how do you sustain um being able to go up in a helicopter or an airplane to to take these photos like i'm assuming it it costs a decent amount of money to do it and like takes some planning and things like that so Walk us through, like, if yeah. someone else wanted to do that, like, what are all the hoops you have to jump through in order to open up that world? Man, really, like, so what's a what's a Mavic 2 Pro cost you at the moment? <laughs> right, um, like, a, I don't know, $1,200 uh, or something? $1,200, so Australian, it's probably 1600 1500 So what I'd say, so when I started, um, our local airport here, which is Jandicott, it's about four to five hundred dollars to hire a Cessna for an hour. That's a Cessna 172 or 175, which is sort of a four-seater Cessna. It's a basic one you can get. So you normally go out with a friend, um, you know. So, and you can both shoot out the right side, um, and so that might take it to down to two hundred dollars each for an hour. Um, now, if you're if you do your research with Google Maps, which is a great tool, yes. so you know you've used Google Maps to exactly know I'm going to go here. It's even got a little measuring tool, so you can work out the speed of the Cessna. So, if you do your research, you're going to be able to capitalize on that hour and every minute of it. Um, so, for two hundred dollars for an hour, and on your average aerial shoot, if you're out somewhere, you know, like Shark Bay or out Rottnest here or whatever, you're going to come back with you come back with three or four hundred images. Really? You know? Yeah, man. Yeah, and, and I'm talking like, yeah, okay, some of them are going to be a little bit similar, but I, I'd be saying you might cover 15 or 20 different looking locations or compositions. Now, you go and shoot a sunrise or a, <laughs> right, uh, you're gonna uh, maybe or a sunset. Two compositions? Yeah, you, maybe two compositions, right? maybe three. Right. Um, so, so I look at it like that. It's like, okay, so I've invested $200, gone up with a mate, but I've come back with... You know, 15 to 20 compositions and what they are for me for aerial photography is that they're like a canvas that's sort of got a stencil on it that I can paint um, so then it's even more exciting so I've got these 15 20 different compositions it could be like a little bridge coming out an ocean shot maybe a whale in the water there or or whatever and then I come back and and they're sort of my canvases to paint um, and in, you know interpret and and so that will keep me busy for weeks just that one shoot um, so I have very limited time because I do photography part-time as well. And look, there's a lot of other photographers like that around the world. I'm not the only one. Um, it suits me really well as well, Matt, because it, it sort of maximizes um, the, the potential for images when I do find time to go and shoot. Um, yeah, no doubt. Because you're yeah. like, yeah. you've got skin in the game. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, that's the big thing, man. Like, <clears throat> sorry, choking on my water, but... <clears throat> um, I would drink beer, but it's ten in the morning, so uh, you know it's probably you, not. you can't be a guest on this show unless you've choked on some some liquid. <laughs> so you're good. <laughs> there you go. Um, what was he talking about? I can't remember now. Where was your head, Scott? <laughs> well, it, it probably should be. Beer. It's uh, well, I, I mean, I, I guess I would be curious. Like, okay, so you so you mentioned like now you have all these 
canvases and stencils to paint on like like how much how much yeah. uh how much editing are you doing to these aerials uh anywhere from i would i would say always 10 to 15 minutes and and that's just simply because from raw you know i use capture one mainly um which i i shoot with fuji now um which thankfully they've just opened up the raf files in capture one which is brilliant yeah. Um, but yeah, from capture one to, you know, I go from capture to Photoshop and then, um, you know, let's say I prep it for sharing online and, and maybe a print version. You know, that's, that's 15 minutes, probably minimum, you know, just for basic editing. But, um, but look, I can sometimes spend, you know, hours, if not days and coming back and coming back. And it's very, the best thing I could liken it to is, is like having a canvas up on an easel and, and you just you're just chipping away at it, you know, and you come back and you look at it and you flip it and turn it and rotate it and spin it. And, and that's sort of my workflow with them um, is sort of easing out these things that I may see so that it gets to a point where you guys can yeah. see it. You know, um, it just struck me when you said you turn it and flip it and all that. Like it, one of the cool things about aerials is like you could like any orientation of the image could lend itself to a totally different viewing experience because there's really no up or down, left or right. Big time. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you you know, it, 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 especially if you're shooting directly down, you can even use perspective walk in Photoshop to correct that anyway if you haven't. Um, but, you, yeah, with one flick of one rotation, it's a different image. Yeah, um, that's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, man, you can you've got all these ways of slicing and dicing these shots, and um, I love it. Yeah, it's just it's really exciting as well. So I've I've got about uh, twelve thousand images, aerial images in my library, and depending on what mood I'm in, or I, I will go through and go, well, how did I not see that image before? You know, like I'll see something in it. It could be like a crocodile or a face, and that image has been sitting there for four years, and it's only. In that particular, and I've gone past it hundreds of times. It's only in that particular mood and moment that I see something, and then once I've seen it, then I can take it into Photoshop and manipulate it and, and bring it out and dodge and burn. And but that's what I love about it. It's really cool. It's just it seems maybe I'm just crazy, but um, it seems to be really mood dependent as to what will jump out at me from these from these shots looking down onto the ground. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, whenever I, I I don't know. In the last couple of years, I've put out maybe three or four images where, you know, I just thought they looked cool and all that. And then I'd have people comment like, that looks like E.T. or that looks like a, like a face <laughs> in the rock. I'm like, yeah. oh, I never saw that. Thanks. <laughs> how, how weird is that as well? Eh? And uh, you don't see it. And then, and then when someone does, normally you do see it. And then once you do see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the, the photo takes on a whole different meaning when you can see something in it. And, and that's sort of, that's what I play with. You know, that's, that's, that's sort of, I guess, my, my trick or my fun is, is that exact thing is what do I see and how can I play with it so that that comes out to something that most other people see. I've had some images fall flat on their face, you know, like there's definitely an elephant and, you know, I definitely can see it and you post it up and everyone's like, I see a goat, where's the elephant? <laughs> um, <laughs> so right. sometimes... Sometimes it doesn't work, but um, but yeah, if you get good at it and you play with it a little, you can um, it's really cool, you know. You can sort of get people on board with what you see. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's well, super fun. I love the mind, the human mind, and the imagination. It's so cool to play play around with. Yeah, it's interesting how um, how landscape photography. I think if it's done well, 
can bring out all kinds of things that necessarily, even as the photographer, we don't even notice or see in the viewers. Like, well, this mm. is what I see. And you're like, wow, I never saw that before. That's crazy. That, it's wicked, isn't it? And and then you, and then that projects to just, I guess in life in general, isn't it? You know, you might see standing, looking at something, one thing and, and another person sees something different. And um, yeah, it's very cool. It There's always cool. a different reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess for people that are like maybe on the edge of wanting to do that, like what are the advantages and disadvantages between like helicopters, planes and drones? Man, they've, yeah, I mean, they've all got advantages and they've all got disadvantages and, and look, I love drones. Um, I really do. Um, I've used a few, I've shot some videos on them. Um, but I do it, I do it for the experience. You know, and and I'm lucky enough these days to work hard enough to be able to afford that experience. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But you know, a brand new drone's fifteen hundred dollars. I mean, if you shared a flight, you could you could share seven or eight flights in a year with a mate. Um, you know, and and only spend fifteen hundred dollars. Um, so that's something to consider. But I, I being up in the air, experiencing it, smelling it, feeling it, that that projects onto your editing. And, it, and not even getting it, it also projects into what you're shooting and composing as you're flying. Um, for sure. So that for me is the advantage of flying over drones is being there, feeling it, and then bringing that excitement back to the editing table. But that's not to say that you can't do that with drones. And I've, you know, some absolutely amazing drone photography out there. That's just for me what I get out of it. Um, Another advantage is going to technical aspects is, okay, well, in a plane or a heli, we can shoot really high megapixel. So we can print really big, you know. Um, right. uh, but that's starting to change. I've got a friend called Dylan Fox, which actually could be one of the next guys you should interview, actually. Oh, yeah, I know Dylan, yeah. Old Foxy. Um, and yeah. he's shooting with a 20 megapixel, um, what is it, Phantom 4 or something. Yeah, the and, Phantom 4 Pro. Yeah. Dude, he's doing meter prints, and they look gorgeous. You know, yeah. So yep, yep. he knows his stuff. You know, like I mean, you know, he's he's a professional and he knows how to make things sing. But yeah, he's getting me to print. So even that's changing. You know, that used to be what I sat on. I was like, well, I do planes and helis because I could, you know, use a better camera and print bigger. <laughs> and then Dylan came along. I was like, don't do that. Now you're gonna have to, <laughs> like stop, stop. You, yeah, stop. <laughs> you're gonna, I'm now gonna have to get a drone. Um, yeah, so yes, yeah, so you can use better. You can use you can use cameras that can print bigger. Um, I guess you got a little more flexibility as well. Um, you got better ISO performance, um, so you can sort of lean on it a little more um, early on in the morning or later in the afternoon. Um, and God, it's just fun. It's so much fun, <laughs> you know. So yeah, that's... I mean, there's an experience that you're having as well. Like you're like, okay, uh, bank left and yeah. just drop the altitude 500 feet. Like yeah, man, that's yeah, way man. more exciting than like controlling the drone with your fingers. I feel like it's because you're seeing it with your own eyes too. Yeah, that's it. You know, and so what I do, I, I work all year and I save up every penny I've got. You know, I pretty much use for my photography. You see, that's my thing. I mean, some people might go on a on a holiday or a cruise or a whatever, you know, or save up for that car they wanted and whatever. You know, I'm saving up to offload as much money to a young pilot learning how to fly as I can in a remote area of Australia. That's what I like. <laughs> have you, I like have you had <laughs> have you had any um, experiences in the plane with a new pilot where you were like, 
I probably should not have survived that experience. Yep, I have. Yeah, um, I had. I'm not going to mention any names um, or even location, but yeah, I had one pilot who I was flying with my mate Paul Holland, and um, he was he he was really cool. He wanted to please, but. He started getting to the point where he asked us if it was okay to do certain things. So he wasn't allowed to fly above the clouds. That's a, uh, when you uh, under a certain amount of hours, you have to fly under the clouds. And um, we're flying along, and he turns to us and says, "Oh, do you guys want me to go up through the clouds? Um, do you reckon it will be okay?" And we've sort of looked at him and gone, "You're bl- you're flying us <laughs> like you're the pilot. We can't answer those questions." Um, you know, so yeah, that was one of those moments. Um, there's other that's moments like a, that I would. That's like a, yeah, sorry, man. That's like go. a that's like a surgeon asking, "Do you think it's okay if I use a scalpel here?" Or oh, for sure. <laughs> you're like, um... <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, do, um, yeah. No, how about you decide? I don't want to decide. Um, yeah, like there's a couple of things that I probably I probably will not say here just to to probably um, not get people in trouble. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I, but I will say this. Quite often you're out in very remote areas. Um, so so rules and regulations can um, slightly bend, I guess. Um, sure, sure. In those areas. But uh, it's always good fun. Uh, look, at the end of the day, um, there, there is an element of safety, sussing out your pilot, sussing out who the company is. And, and you know, you do, you do have to... Um, tick all the boxes in that regard and, you know, uh, have they got the right safety equipment, harnesses, seatbelts? I mean, there's some debate about harnesses and I agree. Um, you know, I've flown out of New Zealand where I'm in a Hughes 500 and um, my harness is connected up behind me in the seat behind. So if we went down, um, you know, how are you going to reach up and take your harness off from from behind? Um, you know, you're you, not. You, you're not, exactly. So... <laughs> So the harness thing for me is a bit debatable. Yeah, like um, yes, it's safe, but if it's also could hold you in a burning plane or a sinking plane or helicopter. Um, so yeah, so there's there's you're always putting your life in someone's hands, but there's certain things that you can do, I guess, to sort of maximize um, your safety, and then otherwise you try not to think about it. Is well, that's what I do. <laughs> Um, right. You know, because if you did, you wouldn't take the photos because you'd just be thinking about it, you know. Um, I think that's really important because, yeah, if you are, I flew with a really good mate of mine, Brooke, and he's an absolute champion. It's the first time he flew and, and um, you know, he's a bit worried. You know, you are in a remote area and um, he had a little bub on the way. And, um, you know, but it was really cool. It was just, I just said to him, you know, like, just no stress, man. If you don't want to go up, you don't have to go up and, and, you know, he got up and within five minutes of looking down and seeing the landscape below, it just, he, worry would left his mind. And he oh, was at yeah. the back of the camera and he's just shooting away, you know. And I think that's what happens. And I, I think that's what happens to anyone like us, man. It's like, you know, once you're up and you see the compositions, you just go into that mode, man, you know. And it's like, you just forget, you forget about the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like you just, I mean, it's probably like any other landscape experience. You kind of go into a little Zen state and yeah, I don't man. know. Yeah, that's there's um I, I would love to get up in a plane um here uh near me there's like there's a huge area of Colorado um down down here you know it's the San Juan Mountains but uh, in specific there's this huge area called the uh, Wemenuch Wilderness Area which is like 
it's like 700,000 acres of like wilderness. There's no roads wow. or anything like that. And it's, it's pretty much all like to 11,000 to 14,000 foot peaks, um, like in all directions, like for miles. Wow. And I would just love to get up in a plane and just shoot the hell out of that. <laughs> have you done, have you done some plane or heli stuff, Matt? With, um, the only, Matt? I've done a, uh, I did a helicopter ride in Kauai <laughs> Um, right. um, but that was like maybe like my second year in photography and I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. So I didn't like, really, uh, yeah. I didn't really come back with, I mean, I was like shooting at ISO 100 and like everything was soft and like, I didn't really know what I was doing. So yeah, uh, it's, it's hard. It's, um, you've, you know, going back to that settings and stuff and, um, yeah, you gotta be really on it. There's, there's a lot of adapting, um, yeah. as you're flying, but general rule of thumb, you know, 1500, of a second f5 f4 f6 something around there and and you know iso wise go as high as you can go in terms of knowing that the noise is going to be too much you know so something like on a nikon 800 1600 you don't want to go above that it's just going to be too noisy um but but yeah i mean that's sort of that's sort of i guess a starting point you know um when you're starting, it's better just to go very high on the shutter because it's the shutter that's going to give you soft images, you know. Yep, yep, that makes. And you focus. Well, yeah, yeah so you're in a bouncing, you're in a yeah, bouncing man. plane yeah. or helicopter, and you're yeah. going really fast. So it's like, yeah, so you like have to you, capture you to, it fast. If you want to minimize risk, is like I would probably say go up at like ten or eleven o'clock in the morning, so the lights up, so you don't, you know, just crank the shutter up, you know, as, as high as you can. And then go for it, you know, and, and that'll sort of probably guarantee sharp images. And then once you've sort of get the hang of it, then start bringing it back earlier in the morning and, you know, having to lean on ISO a bit more and balancing your aperture and yeah, and, um, and all that jazz. Yeah, so shifting gears just a tiny bit, um, I was curious, like, from your experience so far, um, what are some of the practical applications and or art um sales opportunities that you've seen come out of doing aerials um a lot and a lot that i regret not taking advantage of <laughs> um <laughs> to be honest that's that's to be honest um heaps man i mean um instagram's just awesome i'll say that right now you know um i mean that's how i you know, you and me got in contact um so you know that's a really good way for me to promote my work um but I, do, I, do, I haven't capitalized enough on, on opportunities to sell a lot of my work, um, you know, in sort of a fine art aspect, you know, big meter prints framed. Right. Um, I've had opportunities and with running the business in the yeah. background, I tend to try and find a balance of um, just doing it for me mm -hmm. um, and, and it's sort of my peaceful thing. And, um, and when I do have time to maybe do a, do an exhibition or, or sell a few images, yeah, I will. But I, I, I guess I probably, what I'm saying is I don't actively pursue it at the moment, um, to a large degree, but the opportunity is definitely there if for a lot of people as well with social media and stuff. Um, cause the aerial photography stuff really lends itself to, to, um, you know, sort of large images on walls and people's houses and, and, you know, cause they're quite. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's very abs yeah, abstract, and it's um, yeah. it's different. It's not something that you normally see. Yeah, it's not, is it? And um, 
Yeah, it does. It's sort of, they're very popular. Like I'm, I've got my work hanging up all around my house. Um, normally just because that's something that I've made for someone and then not sold it. And so I'm like, all right, I'll keep that one. Um, <laughs> well, I think we all have that problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like, I've got no more room left. People are like, you really like your own work? I'm like, well, no, I don't know. It's just I just um, never got around to selling it, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll sell it one day, I promise. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's aerial photography, seems, especially the color, the color range sort of seems to be quite um, homogenous or, like, harmonic, you know, as well. Like, it's um, it sort of does. It seems to suit sort of more hanging in on on walls and stuff like that then my other you know standard landscape work um you know not not being aerial um so that's cool that's and that, look that's something that i will explore one day i think when i get to the point where i step down from my main work um but right now i just love it i love going out i love doing photography with people i do workshops here and there when i can i love talking about it and i just love yeah experiencing it and it's constantly changing me as a person, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, uh, you know, one of the questions I had too was, um, have you, have you thought about doing any, um, aerials in other parts of the, uh, parts of the world? Like, have you thought about coming to the States? Oh, or? Constantly. Yeah. God, man, I've got so many like little archives on my computer because <laughs> when I'm when I'm bored on a weekend or whatever, I'm like, let's see what Argentina has, or you know, let's <laughs> let's go let's go to Peru, and I'll spend like two hours on because I use Google My Maps because you can do a PDF screenshot and then throw it into Photoshop. So I don't know if anyone else does this, but out there, if if because what what quite often will happen is Google Maps will have quite a like uh, flat image. So if you use Google My Maps, you can save like a, a really big version of it, load it into Lightroom and then just crank some dehaze and contrast and it gives you a better idea of what you're going to be shooting. <laughs> That's something that I do. Um, so I spent countless hours researching. Yeah, so like I, I had um, Peru locked in. Um, I, you know, in the States, I mean, God, you guys look like you have some amazing stuff just about everywhere. Um, uh, China, um, India, I've looked at some places in India. Um yeah, China's a really big one. Now, I had a shoot planned to go up in a heli above some Chinese cities and I couldn't get permission. Oh, really? Yep. They wouldn't let me. The only, Hong Kong was the only place and that was 10,000 US an hour. Holy crap. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I wanted to go and do, I saw some work by a guy over, you're into the pond, um, I can't remember his name now, but he did some beautiful aerial photography at night of Vegas. Hmm. And um, it looked so cool. It looked like a creature sort of like latched to the earth with all these lights. And <laughs> it was really, really cool. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool, you know, to go to sort of really big cities in China and do it. But, um, yeah, they wouldn't let me up. Huh. That's super yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, man. So, so, yeah, there's lots of places that I would love to go. I'm constantly researching. But then it's finding, you know, um, a plane or a heli and, um, quite often you don't want to go do these things on 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 your own just for cost aspect as well right, you know right. I mean like we were talking about before sharing costs so it's getting everything to work um, so then I go through all that and then I'm and then I just go bugger it I'm, I'm just gonna drive two hours up north and yeah and do a shoot and you know I'm and I am I'm super lucky to live here I guess and do area photography because yeah there is always something new to shoot well I guess the um, 
for me, like it seems like a lot of the places that would be interesting to shoot here in the States aren't necessarily very close to airports. Like, yeah, man. um, Yep. Yep. Like there's a ton of stuff in Arizona that I think would be really interesting to shoot, but like, I don't think there's a ton of airports close by. Yeah. So you're normally like, so that's that you make a really good point, Matt. Um, quite sometimes some of the best images, you got to burn an hour to get out there. You know, you're paying five hundred dollars mm-hmm. an hour or four hundred US an hour for um a Cessna. <laughs> Burning an hour, you know, that's like uh, you got to be, you got to make sure you're thinking you're going to come back with some really good work, you know, because <laughs> otherwise, right. you burn an hour out there and it's not good, and you burn an hour back, you're eight hundred dollars down with no images. So, um, but right. you, yeah, <laughs> so you make a good point. Is sometimes you've got to be really committed. You have got to do your research, and then you, yeah, you'll have to fly from somewhere quite far away to get there. Um, but there's always here in WA, I don't know what it's like in the States, but there's always seems to be like a little rural airport somewhere or someone that, you know, is sort of semi dodgy doing, um, scenic flights with their, <laughs> with their 1970 something Cessna and, you know, right. 70 year old Barry who's retired now, but still wants to fly his plane. Um, so depending on, on, on how, on how risky you want to be, you know, there's, there's normally someone there to get you up in the air. <laughs> Um, right. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, do I, do I trust this yeah, guy? Yeah. How, <laughs> how much do I really want these images? <clears throat> right. Yeah. Like, am I willing to die for yeah, this shot? That's it pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of landscape photographers are used to asking themselves that question. Oh, absolutely. God. Some, you know, I mean, not going from aerial to ground, you know, absolutely. You know, um, some of the locations that you see that we get on some of the guys get, you just, how did you even... How did you even get there? Um, yeah, and that, that's a big thing, isn't it? You know, I mean, for, for, for on the ground, it's always good being with someone or a few other people because I think that minimizes the risk and allows you to push further as well. You know, I've always found that really handy. Is you know, if there's a couple of brains looking at a situation, it's like, okay, well, we can push on a bit of further here because if something does happen to one person, at least there's another two to to go back and you know get assistance to tell them tell them where to pull the body out pull the body out that's it man but yeah (laughs) i don't know if you're the same as me but when i'm on my own i'm just like if i go over here i'm yeah i'm gonna be in a bit of trouble so i tend yeah that's funny i I am a lot more risk averse when i'm by myself for sure yeah it's i look i think it's important isn't it but yeah if you're with a couple other people you're, you're egging each other on to go let's go over that dodgy bridge and dodgy you know like over there Yeah, you go first. Right, Right. well, and then hopefully it doesn't end badly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then then if Matt just disappears down the lake, then it's like, all right, well, we won't go that way. Um, Right, let's go go the other way. the other way. Do we call it in? Well, sunset's in an hour, so we'll do it after sunset. Yeah, okay, cool. Right, like, yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I feel like you would have that conversation before you left, right? Like, hey, if one of us dies before the light gets really good, just... We have an agreement that yeah. we'll, we'll recover your body after uh, we take yeah, that, shot. That's it. Yeah. No, that's fair. Everyone sign this paperwork, please. Thank you very much. All right, let's go. <laughs> no, I do a lot of um, a lot of mountain climbing here in Colorado. And, You're right. Um, some of my favorite shots are, you know, from the tops of pretty tough tough mountains at sunrise and sunset. And, yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely had to do some kind of stupid – Stuff, stuff to get some of my shots <laughs> it's a way up isn't it you know it's it, it, and look it is that goes through your mind you're like this is probably not 
the safest it could be, but I've done everything I can to assess it and I really want that shot. And it, there is, there's always that way up, isn't it? You can't say that there's never any risk in those situations. There is always yeah. going to be an element. Um, I mean, I feel like as long as you're evaluating the risk and giving it a healthy scrutiny, you know, I think, yeah. I think that's, and you that's, haven't had, that's all you can do. And you haven't had six beers. Um, right, well, of course. Yeah. Um, the beers are for after. After, that's right. <laughs> so wait, <laughs> so, so you get washed down the lake, then we do sunset, then you're allowed to have a few beers before you have to call it in. That has to be written into the contract. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, speaking of beers, I mean, I feel like in the last few years for me anyway, like that's why night photography doesn't happen as much because it's like you're with your friends and you're like, Do we, I'm just going to have some beers with my friends. I'm not going to stay up till two in the morning shooting the night sky. But yeah, absolutely, Matt. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the time my shoots are also my holiday, you know, because it's a little bit of time off from, from my yeah. business. And so I know I'll quite often go with a mate or two and, and, you know, you finish the day up at seven, and, and yeah, you want to go down and have a and have a talk and maybe a beer, and and yeah, I'm, I'm far less likely to go. Yeah, you know what? You guys go have a beer and a steak, and I'm just going to go out to that paddock till two in the morning and freeze my ass off. Um, <laughs> and I might get a cool shot. Yeah, out of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Very, yeah, yeah, very much less likely to do that these days, I'd say. <clears throat> right. Um, well, one of the other topics I wanted to touch on, um, that you had kind of brought up in your, um, your email, um, was processing and workflow Yeah. and, um, and you had mentioned, um, limited boundaries. So let's talk a little bit about that because, um, I know that at least based on what I know about night photography and looking at some of your images, like you were like, um, you didn't put a lot of limitations on yourself, at least in the night sky stuff. So I'm curious kind of what you meant by that. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I, I think it's hard when you're starting off, especially with social media and everything now, which is kind of when I started, it was just sort of becoming a thing um, to, to let people curb where you're going to go. You know, that sky is not good. You, I don't like it like that. Or don't, you know, don't edit like that. Or that's, you know, I mean, there can always be too much Orton, but we won't go there. But um, it, it's so easy to just allow people to put boundaries in place for you. And and once that boundary's there, you, you can't go past that point to fail because you need to fail and fail and fail and fail and then you'll get it right. And But once there's boundaries there, it's almost like, um, you know, that's that's putting something in place to be afraid to fail. I think that's what I mean by it. I, I, I really don't place any creative boundaries on myself and it's how I've discovered some of the you know, coolest things, whether it's in my workflow, well, quite often in my workflow, um, is to just not allow that outside influence to come into my head too much, unless it has to, you know, unless I'm presenting something for a client. You know, I do, I, I think you had Janik on the other day and, and I'm, I'm part of the ARPP as well. And, um, and I enter that every year. And, and look, that has to be to us. That does have boundaries, you know, in terms of a professional <laughs> sense. Um, but, yeah, beyond that, no, I just, I don't like, and, and you, you, know, you went back to my Milky Way stuff. Yeah, I just went crazy. You know, a lot of the time you'd create something and go, yeah, that's kind of cool, but it doesn't work. But then the next thing you create, it's like, oh, I'm going to bring an element of that in, an element of that in. And, and, and I really love that. I, I, quite a lot of time my editing is three hours of nothing. You know, just like that doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. What does this do? I mean, I've been using Photoshop for a very long time, but I'm still like that. Like, what if I put this with that, with that, with this, and then oh god, that does. That's cool. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's just, you know, that's, that's my, I love it. That's the fun part of it. But I, I think um, it's very easy for people to, to listen too much to criticism. I wouldn't say constructive. Um, mm-hmm. And then put boundaries in place that, that can make them afraid to, to push on and, and, and I guess grow and develop as a creative and as a photographer. And, um, and I don't like doing that to myself. And, and, you know, when I can, if I'm helping people or whatever, I just, I just love to be pretty free flowing and, and not too serious, I guess. Um, do you ever feel like, uh, do you ever feel like limited boundaries can be a good thing in terms of, um, like, uh, forcing yourself to like be really, really good at a certain aspect of processing or, for sure. Yeah. Like I think you, we're probably entering into sort of, yeah. I mean, I, uh, one of the big thing I, I see it like, you know, highlights and shadows because I, I do a lot of printing and, and with the print awards as well. It was one of the biggest things I had to sort of get a grasp on from like people sharing their content purely digitally to, to printing. Um, you know, if, if you've blown out your highlights um, and then you go and print that, you're just going to have white paper. Um, you know, and um, and so, yeah, so I, I, in terms of boundaries, like in that professional sense, I've learned a lot being a member of the AIPP and, and being part of the Print Awards um, for the last four or five years um, because you can get a lot or you can get away with a lot more, you know, digitally presenting your work than you can printing. Um, so, yes, there's, there's probably boundaries in that regard, but I, I, I wouldn't say they're creative ones. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's interesting, like, um, you know, for, I don't know, probably the first four or five years of doing photography, like, I didn't have any boundaries on what I did. And like, I, I did a lot of really dumb stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I failed a lot, like what you were saying. I'm with you. Um, And but what, to your point, like, I feel like it's helped me kind of hone in on what I feel like is kind of a better representation of what I want my photos to look like um, through that failure. So I feel like it is important to allow yourself to, to do stuff that's not necessarily perfection. Yes, it is. It's just, you know, it's that age old thing. It's, you know, the only way someone's really going to, what is it? It's like, I don't know, you tell someone, you know, don't go do that. Well, that's a bad idea. Well, they're going to go do it. (laughs) And then it still fails, but then they come back and go, yeah, okay, that was a bad idea, but I learned for myself. Um, and it's kind of the same with the creative process. It's like, if someone's telling me not to go do it, I'm going to go do it <laughs> because I want to see what it's like. I, you know, and I want to experience that for myself. And, um, yeah, I think that's the way that limited boundaries things come in this place. It's like, don't, you know, just go and play around, fail. Yeah. Um, yeah. and don't be afraid to. <clears throat> cool, man. Well, so we're kind of like winding down on the podcast time here. So yeah. I thought I'd ask you a couple more questions. Um, so I guess the first question I have is, um, what advice would you have for um, other landscape photographers? Uh, stop creating work that makes me jealous because my feeds become no, I'm a joke. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, stop, I, yeah, stop shooting, too, man. No, um, yeah, come on, give us, yeah. give the rest of us working stiffs a chance. Come on. Um, I mean, you know, what advice would I have for people coming up? You know, um, you're wanting to take. Uh, Delete all your social media account. Nah. Um, 
No, I don't know. It's a hard one, Matt. I, I guess, I guess, probably what we were talking about before is just be really careful of who you listen to. You know, people say go out and get as much constructive criticism as you can. That's not exactly true. You've got you've got to pick the right people that you trust to get constructive criticism. You know, a full open forum can sometimes have the opposite effect of of developing your ability. Um, so that would probably be one little thing I would say is, you know, really pick the people that you go to to get to get your constructive criticism. I don't mean pick the friendly ones. You pick a really tough one if you want, but someone that you trust, someone that you respect. Um, because if, yeah. if I think, yeah, if you go out there and just put it in front of everyone, the trolls and everything else, you, it can, if you're up and coming, it can really shape where you're going in a, in a negative way. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you were ever a member of uh, NPN back in the day, but it kind of made a, uh, it's kind of made a resurgence. Um, and yeah. like David Kingham kind of relaunched it and they have a whole critique uh gallery where you can like submit your images and ask for very specific feedback and right and they have very specific rules about um like what like what it is you, like as a responder like yes. what kind of critique you should give and yeah. i put a photo up there i don't know about two months ago now and like it really helped me a lot like um i thought i had the photo totally dialed in and i got some like really great feedback that like and it was really small stuff too like yeah. you know shift the color balance of your shadows just a tiny bit and like maybe tiny crop here and like you know it was very small stuff but it made a huge difference so i feel like it's very handy and it's a nice environment as well by the sounds of it you know so it's like you know that's healthy yeah 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 like and to your point like just the open forum of social media. Like, I feel like that's a bad way to get feedback. Um, yeah, I've, I've tried it yeah. and like 95% of the time, it's just people yeah. just spouting off complete horseshit. So. Oh man. And, and, you know, some you know, young dude who's been doing it for a year or two or whatever. And, and, you know, these guys just, you know, girls, guys, whatever, attack him or her, um, you know, and they're, they're only just starting off. It can, yeah, it can really have a negative impact. And, um, yeah, so that was sort of, I mean, going back to like, you know, putting your image in that forum, it, it's kind of like when you've been living in your house and haven't done like the cleaning in a week or whatever. <laughs> and, and you kind of just like get used to it. It's like, I don't notice those two cans over there and those three beer bottles over there. And it just sort of blends in. And then someone walks in and goes, what the hell are you doing? Right. You know, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same with your images, you know, like you've been looking at this thing for so long and whatever. It's kind of cool sometimes to put it up in a controlled environment or people you trust. Because, you know, I've had many times where someone would be like, there's a massive black spot up there. And I've gone, How the, what? I didn't even see that. Um, and I've been looking at this thing for three months. So. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's. I think it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's for me anyway, like that's, you're right. Like that's probably the best way that I've gotten better as a photographer in the last couple of years is like not being afraid to like ask for people to actually give me some constructive feedback. But people, yeah. to your point, people that you trust and people that you respect and people yes. that you know, they know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> yep, big. That that's the last one. You nailed it. Yeah, that that know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, um, because that's important. And I so I've got like probably about eight or ten um, fellow photographers that you know I go to. You know, so that I might be getting an image ready for um, ARPP or a client, whatever. And you know, I might just run it past six or seven of them. You know, hey guys, you know, what do you think? Send it to each one. And it's really cool, you know, and that's sort of my group that I go to and I trust them and, and you know, they know to go hard at me. You know, I tell them, don't lay off. I don't want to hear it nice. You know, <laughs> right. wrong, tell me. 
Um, but I don't mind, you know, because I do. I respect them and trust them and, and um, yeah, it's cool. It's healthy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, like, I'll do that and then they'll tell me something and I'm like, yeah, you're right, but I still want to, I still want to keep it that way. <laughs> it, it's my creative license. I'm keeping it that way. No. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean though. Cause it's like, it's, it's like you're attached to them sometimes as well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so someone will bring something up and, and you're like, yeah, I hear it, but like I do. And there's nothing technically wrong. It's just a suggestion, probably more of a creative suggestion. Um, but sometimes you're quite attached to them. So you're like, no, I don't, I don't want to change my child. Thank you very much. Right. I, I like, like my, my child with like, red hair yeah, and like purple teeth. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I like, I like it. Yeah. So, okay. But I, I think when it comes to a creative difference, it's also handy to be able to identify that, you know? So, um, if it might be like, I kind of prefer that there than there and, or, you know, then it's sort of like, okay, well, am I might. Am I looking at someone's different creative eye, not not a technical aspect? And yeah, there's lots of things to take into account, I guess, before you make changes. Absolutely. Well, and you can always try it, try it the other way, and see if it looks better. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. You know. Yeah, and then if it does, go back and go. Okay, you were right. Right. I, I owe you a beer. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, you were right. Right. Mm. Well, cool, man. So, who would you recommend or like to hear on the podcast? Well. I've got, um, I could, I could give you enough, probably keep you going for the next 10 if you like, but, um, <laughs> but we, we, before we kicked off, we were, ch- I mean, a couple of guys that, that really, uh, inspired me for my aerial work, uh, are Tony Hewitt and Christian Fletcher. They're both based here in Western Australia. Um, they would be two or one of them if you could get them on one day. Um, they're absolute geniuses, gentlemen, and, um, their minds are just, uh, creative powerhouses. And then, um, another, another, landscape photography here in WA that I really like is Dylan Fox, which you've heard of before. He's done a lot of work over in the States as well. And um, he has a beautiful way of looking at it. He does some traditional landscape photography, um, but he just has a really cool way of of looking at it. And a very interesting guy to talk to as well about his workflow and and, um, editing and stuff like that. Awesome. That's brilliant. I appreciate it. Um, Well, damn, this time, like, freaking flew by it went quick yeah man well you know you get two uh, you, people talking about the what they love yeah, and man. it's like oh it's well any any time man i'd come back on and uh i really appreciate it. actually it's been it's really nice and um you, you're a good dude and um love talking shop and and hopefully um hopefully helped a few people out oh, man well i appreciate it Ah, well, thanks to Scott for taking the time out of his awesomely busy schedule to visit with us on the podcast. I hope you learned as much as I did. Man, aerial photography has always intrigued me, and I am really excited to someday get up there and put those skills to the test. So I really thank you, Scott, for helping us out. Um, Man, so... If you really like that conversation, you should head over uh, to Patreon. We have uh, an extended version of the podcast over there where Scott shares some really practical tips on how to do aerial photography, which I think you will find um, super helpful. Um, I wanted to thank our newest patron, uh, Bo Ewen. Um, Thank you for your support on Patreon. I really appreciate it. And for those of you that... uh, that maybe have been on the fence for Patreon support. Um, I guess I just want to ask you, like, what do you think the podcast is worth to you? A dollar a month, a dollar a year, five dollars a month. Um, let me know, like, what's the value of the podcast? Help us out. 
Um, another way you can help us out is to write a review on iTunes. I would really appreciate that. And uh, please leave comments about the episode. Head over to our Facebook group. Um, uh, it's uh, F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen uh, on, on Facebook. And uh, there's lots and lots and lots of really great conversation happening over there. So check that out. Um, and uh, as always, you can uh, hit me up with ideas and suggestions on social media. Just search for Matt Payne Photo, that's P-A-Y-N-E, um, or F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Our guest next week is Greg Russell. Um, I'm really excited for that one, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy that podcast. See you next week.